right, well, we are starting a new mini-series today. We've been hanging out in First and Second Corinthians, and we are going to be talking about truth um, for this next series. I'm excited about that. Um, it, will, it will be good. You notice that you have these awesome cards on your seats. You may be sitting on it, um, but we got a lot of awesome stuff on here. As you saw in the announcement video, there's a memory verse. Um, it's always good to memorize scripture. You can win awesome prizes if you are brave and come up here and recite that. At the end of our series, we've had some pretty awesome um, recitals of memory verse. I love it. Um, and we also have some discussion questions on the back that will go with uh, the message for the week. And this is, this is really cool. You can either um, do that with, uh, with a friend or your family around the dinner table, um, just have some good conversation. I get to do this with my small group, and I always love um, having those good conversations um, with, with those discussion questions. So um, feel free to take this home. There's a lot of good stuff on that card. Um, and now I am going to read uh, the scripture that we are hanging out into uh, in today um, for our message. If you need to uh, get out your Bible, it's found in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16. It will be on the screen, or you can also be like me and close your eyes and just take it all in and just soak, soak in the, the scripture. Um, God's word is good. So um, we're going to hang out in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16. Here we go. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And when we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. That is the word of the Lord right there. You made it. Well done, Tyler. That was good. Good stuff. And uh, 
Happy Sunday, everybody. How we doing? Yeah, we're good. We're good. And uh, as Tyler said, we are uh, spending 2022 living in uh, these two books of the Bible, the first and second Corinthian letters. Uh, there were other letters, but, but uh, they are not in our Bibles. Uh, <laughs> Paul wrote many letters to this church in Corinth, which is in Greece, and we are spending our time because this, this portion of the New Testament, I think, is just... Um, so relevant to where I believe the, our church and, and the church of our culture is at. Where does truth intersect with faith and what we believe? And last week, we, we kicked off this mini-series. So we're breaking it up into these mini-series, as Tyler was saying. And it was actually last week that we started this. So we're on week two of truth. Last week, we talked about how foolish the gospel can sound to somebody outside of the church or somebody that doesn't believe in Jesus, that the idea that God's son would come to earth and die on the cross sounds ridiculous. A crucified Messiah sounds uh, foolish, and that word foolish is translated as moronic. And so I don't cringe anymore. After last week, I've learned, and hopefully we all learned, that there are people in our world that think what we believe is ridiculous. And we shouldn't get upset, we shouldn't get uptight about it, but we should understand where they're coming from, that uh, they think, and there are people that think that the gospel just lacks power, proof. Uh, They're they're desiring something tangible that they can see. Others, it's not logical. It doesn't make sense. There's questions still to be answered, and until that question is answered, they're not going to jump on board. And it's not a us versus them, it's just understanding this is the reality that we live in. And the question today, or or the purpose of today, is how do we then discover what truth really is? How do we go from the truth sounding moronic to being monumental? Because there are maybe some in this room where you're kind of on the outside looking in, you've got questions, you're wondering, like, I don't know about this whole church thing, gospel, Jesus, God sending his son to die for me. Okay, sounds a little foolish. But then there's others, it's monumental. It's the most important truth, foundational truth that changes our lives, our habits, our perspective, our eternity. And how does that happen? How does that shift happen? And that, as we saw in this text that Tyler read, and I encourage you, take, take time this week, go reread that text, because that's a lot of text, right? That was 16 verses, and uh, the buzzword there that you heard every time, like drink a cup of, drink, take a drink of your coffee every time you hear the word spirit today, because uh, it's in there a lot. But reread that text this week, but what we're going to see is what moves us from moronic to monumental? The Holy Spirit. Now cue the Twilight Zone theme song for some of us, right? He said, Holy Spirit, holy smokes, here we go. The idea of the Holy Spirit can sound spooky and mysterious, and we don't do it any favors when we call it the Holy Ghost either, by the way. It's confusing to talk, like everybody's cool with God the Father and Jesus coming to, you know, God in the flesh, Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave. And you get the Holy Spirit and it's like, whoa, this is where we get cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like this is, but Paul makes a clear point in what Tyler just read. In verse 10, he says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, By his spirit. It was to us that God revealed these things to us by his spirit. Now, as we talk about the Holy Spirit today, I'm sure questions may come up. You'll see a number at the bottom of the screen. 
Uh, text that number if you've got any questions. We're going to answer it in, five, in a couple weeks at the end of this mini-series. But as Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, he's pointing to an aspect of the Trinity that we're going to talk about today. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. That's what Jesus said in John 14. I am sending you the Holy Spirit. He tells the disciples right before his death, and they get together for the Last Supper, and they're sitting there in the upper room, and he's talking about all these deep things of God, and he says, I gotta go back to heaven, guys. I can't stay here forever, and in my absence up in heaven, I'm gonna send to you the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the great counselor. He will guide you towards all truth, and he calls him the Spirit of truth. And so the Holy Spirit is the delivery vessel for God's truth. This is one of the roles that the whole, it's not the only role, but it's one of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. And so as we're talking today, I want to explore this idea and go with me because it's going to sound a little crude or a little uh, irreverent, but God is like Amazon. I know. Roll with me, okay? Be patient. Now, how many of you ordered from Amazon this week? How many of you, this was your front doorstep? on multiple occasions this week. Prize to anybody who had multiple boxes on multiple days. Anybody? Anybody? Right? This is the world we live in. We order on Amazon. They, they, they go to the warehouse. The employees do. They, they find all the goods that I want to buy. They box them up. They put them in the delivery truck. They drop it at my front door. Boom. That's what my door looks like constantly. Well, the Holy Spirit has access to God's warehouse of truth. Just roll with me, Okay. God's warehouse of truth and wisdom, and, and the Holy Spirit is that delivery truck bringing that truth and bringing it to the doorstep of your heart, bringing it to the doorstep of your mind. And, and now roll with me on this. When you order from Amazon, how many of you went to the Amazon warehouse to pick it up? Anybody? A lot of you ordered from Amazon this week. Anybody go to Amazon and hang out with Jeff Bezos and be like, hey, I ordered some shower curtain rings at $3.99. Prime's not working. I want to get there faster. Bring it to me, Jeff. Anybody go to a warehouse? No. You, you don't do that. When you order from Amazon, they bring it to you, right? That's the beauty of it. And, and, and the thing about God's wisdom is some of us, are thinking about the truth of the gospel and the implications of the gospel and the wisdom of God, and we think we have to go get it ourselves from God. But the Holy Spirit is meant to bring it to us. You see, we don't discover God's truth of the gospel by being good enough. Sometimes we think, well, if I just clean myself up, then I'm going to understand the things of God. If I just purge myself of all these impure thoughts, then I'll have room for all the good thoughts of God. If I focus enough, if I suffer enough, if I give enough, if I read enough, if I listen to enough of Sean's podcasts and sermons and YouTube videos, if I'm smart enough, if I go to church enough, if I read enough books, if I listen to enough TED Talks, then I will somehow dial in and have enough. That's us on our own effort being good enough to go after the wisdom of God and get it for ourselves. Go get it. What Paul says these deep, mysterious secrets of God, how were they revealed? Not through YouTube. Not through your pastor. Not through these books or these works and efforts. It's not by being enough of anything. Paul says it's revealed to us by his spirit. 
Now let's roll with this Amazon. Just, just one more moment. Uh, God and Amazon being synonymous, and I know the metaphor is going to fall flat. But how many of you only and exclusively shop with Amazon? Not a hand. For those at home, not a hand went up, okay? We go other places. We go to Target. We go to Costco, yes. Fred Meyer, right? Whatever. Grocery outlet, whatever. And you're looking at price, stock quantities, the right fit. I hate buying clothes online because I never know if they're going to fit, right? I got to go in. I got to touch. I'm one of those old school people, right? I got I to feel it. And so I don't always go to Amazon, but I will be at Target and searching on Amazon at the same time to price match. Some of you are laughing because you know you do this too. What's interesting is Paul is writing this letter to Christians in Greece at a time where he's not talking to the unchurched, he's talking to church people. And he's having to remind them the role of the Holy Spirit of being that vessel of truth in their lives. Why? Because they have started shopping around. They haven't just exclusively said, okay, it's God only. It's the Holy Spirit only. What have they started to do? They've, much like we do, going and looking for better prices and better fit and better style and better, you know, selection. Well, culturally, the Corinthians were doing the same thing. Shopping around to better communicators, more influential communicators, more uh, social influencing. Speak to my leg, tickle my ears with those interesting thoughts, and, and what they were doing is they were running to culture and philosophy and, and, and the fads of the time and, and, and looking to other sources for the wisdom of, war, of, of enlightenment and truth and purpose and meaning, and they had questions that needed answered, and they weren't running to the Holy Spirit. These are Christian people that Paul is writing to, remember. They're not exclusive shoppers, and we do the same thing. This is why I say it's so relevant to us, because we don't just run to the Holy Spirit for our truth. Where do we run? We run to podcasts, books, vlogs, blogs, TED Talks, leaders, communicators. We're looking for enlightenment. We're looking for truth. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for answers to our questions, and we don't always just run and become dependent upon the Holy Spirit. What do we do? We actually minimize the Holy Spirit, because that gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know about the Holy Spirit thing. I can understand a book. I can understand a blog. I can understand a podcast of a guy that I've never heard of before, but somebody recommended it on Facebook, so it must be good. But the Spirit of God is, is the source of all wisdom, and today is about re-engaging with the Holy Spirit and his role of being that source of guidance and that source of truth. And when he's talking today in that text that we read about wisdom and mystery and truth, what Paul is, let, let's, can we bring some clarity to this? Because we, we, we look at this text and we might think about all truth, of all wisdom, of all knowledge, of all things. Well, Paul is focused on one fundamental truth. And, and he's not worried so much about secondary issues like aliens and dinosaurs and What's heaven going to be like, and how many clouds am I going to get to sit on, and what's the golden streets of gold going to look like, and all of this, right? Stuff that Christians sometimes get preoccupied about forecasting the end times. Paul's not, Paul's not worried about that. He's not answering the questions of dinosaurs and aliens. So when he talks about the mysteries of God, he's not saying, like, you're going to have everything ever figured out, but what he is focused on is the truth of the gospel. The good news, that's what gospel is, the good news of Jesus and all the intricacies and facets and complexities of the gospel. 
Because the gospel is a mystery at times. I've been following Jesus since I was seven years old. And every year I look back, I learn more about who Jesus is. I learn more about the implications of the gospel. Even as I've been focused, just for the last few months, we've been looking at, and we're not even done, because 2022 is not finished. But as we're looking at these letters, I continue to learn how the gospel changes everything in my life. The gospel is so central to everything that we do. One scholar described it like this. We never move on from the cross of Christ. So those of us that are bored with the gospel, a scholar said, we never move on from the cross of Christ only into a more profound understanding of the cross. And the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals the depth and complexity and intricacies and facets of the gospel. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift for us. The Holy Spirit is a gift. In verses 12 and 14, this is what Paul says. For we have received God's Spirit. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And people don't understand. And people, but, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So what does Paul mean? Speaking of understanding what it means. What we see here is the Holy Spirit is a gift to humanity. Not a paycheck, not something we've earned or warranted or deserved, but it is a gift given to us. Jesus said that when we believe in him, the Holy Spirit would dwell in our lives. So it is a gift. It is something that we receive. Paul says we have received God's Spirit. Not that we earned God's Spirit, not that we bought God's Spirit. We have received it, though, as a gift, and the Holy Spirit would dwell in our lives. And this is what Paul would define as a spiritual person, one who has the Spirit of God in their life. How many of you have heard people described as spiritual people? Right? Are you a spiritual person? They're not spiritual enough. They're super spiritual, uber spiritual. When Paul uses that phrase, people who are spiritual, it is not this connotation of, uh, of kind of this mysticism, this, this wild fanaticism, and it's not this craziness that we sometimes have this connotation of spirituality with. Right? When Paul says, spiritual people, what he means is people who have the Holy Spirit in their lives. If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not a spiritual person. If you have the Spirit of God in your life, you are a spiritual person. And how did I receive the Spirit of God in my life? By believing in Jesus. And so he's addressing this misconception that the Holy Spirit is something we've earned or something we deserve or something we bought or only for special certain people. It's for all people who believe in Jesus. And he mentions this so that we, we understand it is by faith that we believe in Jesus, and we are, an, we are a vessel, a dwelling place of God's Spirit. God is with us and in us, and his Spirit is right there. And, and yet, that is what makes a spiritual person not the crazy misconceptions that we think of with spiritual. And what does he also mention? Not just spiritual people, but he mentions is those who are not spiritual. A person that is not spiritual is not somebody who is a little bit more reserved in church or doesn't raise their hands in church or doesn't speak in tongues. 
A person who is not spiritual is someone who doesn't have the spirit of God living in their life at that time. A person who doesn't believe in Jesus and doesn't have the spirit of God dwelling within them and creating something new in them. And to, to somebody without the spirit, what Paul says is, if you don't got the spirit of God living in you, if you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have the spirit of God in you, the message of Jesus is going to sound foolish. And Paul describes it a little bit more in verses 8 and 9 when he talks about the rulers of the world, guys like Herod and Caesar and uh, Pilate and the high priest Caiaphas. And let's look at that text in 8 and 9. He says, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. No one can conceive the true depth of the gospel without that step of faith, without the Holy Spirit living in them. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't grasp the depth, and we don't get it. We don't see the point. We can't wrap our minds around it. And he brings it back to these rulers of the time, right? Like I said, Pilate and the high priest and uh, Caesar and, and King Herod, if they had believed in the identity of Jesus being the Son of God and the Messiah, the Chosen One, would they have crucified him? They would have worshipped him. They would have worshipped him. If they had believed in who Jesus said he was, they would have worshipped him. See, they hadn't put their faith in him. They were looking for signs, they were looking for logic, they were looking for reason, they were looking for all these things, and it didn't fit in their box, and so they killed him rather than worshipped him. And what Paul is doing is he's, he's giving some verbiage for us to begin to see how our world functions. He categorizes people as spiritual and not spiritual, and it gives some, some, some verbiage for him to be able to, to describe what's happening, but, but let's remember, nobody's stuck in that category. What do I mean by that? If you or someone you know doesn't believe in Jesus right now, right? Paul would say, you're not spiritual because you haven't believed in Jesus. You don't have the Holy Spirit in your life or anything like that, right? So therefore, there's that category of people. Are they stuck in that category? No. Because anybody that is in the category of spiritual got there through a gift, not good effort. I am a spiritual person not because pastors in front of my name on a business card. I am a spiritual person not because I was good enough or smart enough or intellectual enough or, 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 or chosen more than somebody else. What is it? It's because I, I, I believed that we believe in Jesus. And Jesus says, when you believe in me, and my spirit dwells within you. So we are not stuck in these categories of not spiritual. And nobody in this room that would be qualified or categorized as spiritual started in spiritual. We all started in not spiritual. Think about that. So there might be some in this room where you're like, you're skeptical, you're still checking things out about Jesus, you're still on the fence about this whole thing. Guess what? Nobody in this room started on this side of the table. No one in this room started out with the Holy Spirit perfectly dwelling within them, believing in Jesus since they were a fetus and never had to make a decision for themselves. 
We all had to make a decision to say yes to following Christ. Yes to believing. And that's what it shows, is a need for faith in all of this. We have to believe. It's not always logic, and it's not always proven signs and wonders and power. It's a step of faith into the unknown. It's jumping across this chasm, if you will. And you'll see that in a picture on the screen in a moment. To say yes to Jesus is to take that leap and say, I will admit my mistakes. I will believe that he is the son of God. I will ask for forgiveness and choose to believe in following Jesus. That there's a God that loves me. A God that knows my failures. A God that knows my mistakes. A God that won't always fit in my box. But I will take a step of faith. And it's in that step of faith we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive, and, and, and the Spirit of God dwells within us, and we begin to see the world differently. We begin to see truth differently. We begin to see the gospel differently. I have to believe that there's people either in the room or online watching at home that are at a point of crossroads where, uh, will you take that step of faith to say yes to Jesus? Will you make that jump? That jump requires faith. And in taking that jump, some of us are even wondering with this question. This, this one rattled through my brain this week. Why do we trust in the Holy Spirit? Why would we trust in God's Spirit? I can't see it. I can't feel it. I never heard it. It sounds kooky. Because only God can truly know God. Paul talks about this in verse 11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. No one can know. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit, right? He, he is a, a God that's three in one, and there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are fully God, but they are three distinct persons. And if that's complex and confusing to you, join the club. I'm right up here with you. It is complex. It is difficult to understand. And the Holy Spirit slowly reveals these truths to us so we can begin to grasp and understand it. But we're striving to understand that God has a spirit. Just like you and I have a spirit, an intangible, immaterial, invisible part of our being. You aren't just a physical shell. There is a spirit within you. And God has a spirit just like a human has a spirit. And Paul illustrates this idea by talking about our human spirit. And, and let me illustrate it. Show of hands. Who do you, who knows me best? Anybody? Anybody think you know, my wife is sitting in the second row. Who thinks they know me the best in this room? You're raising your hand. You think you know me the best. Yeah. Who knows me the best? Who knows my memories, my fears, my insecurities, my motivations, my plans? My kids might think they do, my friends, my employees, my parents, my wife thinks she does. But only I know me the best of the humans in the room. Okay? Don't jump the gun and talk about God knows me better. The humans in the room, I know me the best because I know what's going on up here and in here. Even more than my wife does. Sorry. 
And those of you that know me a little bit, you know some of my story, you know some of my fears, my insecurities, my motivations, my plans, my life. How did you learn that? How did you learn a little bit about Sean? Some of you don't know me at all. But for those that do know me a little bit, how did you get to know me? Sur <laughs> Surveillance. Just don't steal my Amazon packages. That's all I care about. Yeah, that's why I got a ring camera. You chose to spend time with me. You chose to listen. You chose to ask questions. But ultimately, it comes down to, I chose to reveal that information to you. You only know what I will tell you. That's divine. There's a divine ringtone that just went off for those that couldn't hear it right in that moment. It was a profound thought, Lord, I know. But my spirit knows me better than anyone in the room. And you only know that if I tell you those things that my spirit knows. Well, what Paul is saying is that God, only God knows God best. And his spirit reveals those things, speaks those things, informs us of, of these truths of who God is. He reveals himself as we spend time with him, as we ask questions, as we listen to him. God's spirit is the only one who's going to know his thoughts, his plans, his motivations, his secrets. That is why we trust him. The Holy Spirit. See why we can't diminish that? We can't put him on the back burner. We've got to, we've got to embrace the Holy Spirit. We've got to run towards the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has this role of revealing truth to humanity, right? Paul says in verse 10, after the part that we read earlier, he says, For his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets, the deep mysteries of the gospel and truth and wisdom. The Holy Spirit is one revealing what seems hidden to us it makes it plain as day to us. And we have sometimes these aha moments like, oh, I get it now. I didn't get that before, but now I get it, right? I'll illustrate it with a non-spiritual example. Recently, our family watched the movie on Disney Plus, Turning Red. How many of you have seen this, right? Funny little animated movie for those that haven't seen it. Funny little animated movie about this little girl who turns into a red panda, and has to try to conceal or embrace or conceal and, and, and all of these things about being this giant red panda. Watch this movie, we're laughing, our kids are laughing, things like that. Movie ends, April turns and says, man, what a great metaphor for adolescence. And I was like, wait, it wasn't just a panda. It wasn't just jokes. What do you mean, adolescence? And she's like, it's about moving into adulthood and discovering who you are. Like, wait a second, and, and had this aha moment, right? Well, similarly, we are going through life asking questions and, and pursuing the truth of God, and it just feels hidden. It just feels like pandas and jokes to us. But the Holy Spirit will have these moments where his role is to speak to us so that we have, oh, I get it. That's why God had to die for me. That's why there's a book in the Bible called Leviticus and just has a whole bunch of rules for priests and sacrifice. I get it. I didn't get it, but now I get it. And it's the Holy Spirit speaking and revealing and opening our minds for us to discover these things. And as Paul describes in verse 16, having the mind of Christ to think the way Jesus thinks, 
to see the world the way Jesus sees the world, to understand knowledge and truth and have the mindset of Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of culture, not the mind of an American, not the mind of Pastor Sean, not the mind of fill in the blank. We are to have the mind of Christ. And so how does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Because for some, that's mysterious. And you're waiting for the clouds to appear like this in your life. And then, oh, like God shows up. This booming voice, this is the Holy Spirit, and you are to wear the red shirt today. <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit. Don't drive down the boulevard. Turn left on Spruce. We're waiting for emotional moments, hyped up moments, spiritual. How does the Spirit of God speak to us? And there's, there, there's three categories that I want to just quickly highlight. We could talk more if you text in your questions for more uh, expansion on this. But one is internally. I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you personally. Through prayer and quiet time and silence and, and solitude, there is this internal communication. Because the Spirit is within you. And it's not a booming voice. It is the whisper to your heart. That impression you get that all of a sudden, as you're praying or in a moment of quiet, in a moment of thought, you begin to think of something or someone or, or have a word or a phrase or a picture. That's internal. I believe the Holy Spirit speaks right to our hearts and minds. And we can get, he can get our attention internally. I believe he can speak to us externally, that there are external sources like the Bible, like song lyrics. Sometimes you're singing the songs on Sunday morning and those lyrics just speak right to where you needed to hear. They get your attention. Sometimes I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to us through an observation in nature. You'll see something that just captures your attention. Maybe through a sermon or a podcast or a book. But see, God is speaking through something you see and hear and observe and experience to get your attention. It's something external, right? Nobody has the Bible just fully imprinted on their heart. We're reading it, and God will speak through those words to get our attention externally. And then interpersonally, this would be the third category that I see that God could get our attention. Paul talks a lot about the Spirit inspiring our speech and inspiring our words. And so there are many times where I could be in a conversation with somebody or in a life group discussion. Tyler talked about being in life groups. And there are interpersonal moments where I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you. You'll begin to see truth in a way. And it's not that that person is divinely smarter than you. It's that the Holy Spirit used their words to get your attention through a conversation, through community, through processing aloud for those of us that are verbal processors. I have to apologize to my wife often, but I believe the Holy Spirit will speak through her interpersonally to me. But I like to talk it out. You see, God will use the, other, uh, the words of others to get my attention. And I think it's important that we all see that God could speak to all of us. 
There is no one in this room, no one watching at home, that is exempt or excluded from the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And if you feel that today, you are not seeing what we're talking about, which is that the Spirit of God is accessible and available to all of us. By faith, he will dwell within us, right? But when Paul says phrases like revealed to us and mature believers and spiritual people, there is a tendency in our, in our culture and in our English reading of this is to categorize and hierarchy and, 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 and create rankings and superiority, isn't there? Oh, these are the spiritual people. These are the mature believers. These are the ones that God reveals his truth to. And, and the reality is when Paul is writing this in the original language, there is no connotation of elitism. So when you reread this passage this week, because I know you're all going to do that multiple times, read that and understand he sees a level playing field where the Holy Spirit can speak to every person in the Corinthian church. Because if you've said yes to following Jesus, if you've said yes to believing in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, not just your pastor. Not just the uber-spiritual people that we think of. There is no elitism in the way that he talks about that. But the Holy Spirit can speak to all of us. And this is the last component of this, and, and I apologize. I, I, I apologize if, if we're talking a lot here. But this is where I want to take us home, or land the plane, is if God wants to be involved in my story and God wants to guide me into all truth, the spirit of truth wants to lead me towards truth, how do I invite him into taking a part of that journey, right? How do I invite him into my journey and to take steps in, in doing so? How do I make room for the Holy Spirit this week? That's basically what I'm trying to say. Let me just say it. It's on the screen. I should just say that. How do we make room for the Holy Spirit and not be people who are shopping around to other vendors for wisdom and truth? How do we not become self-sufficient and self-dependent? But how do we slow down and actually embrace the fact that the God of the universe wants to speak to you this week? Wants to guide you. Wants to inform and shape and reveal some of the mysteries of God to you this week. What does that look like? Embracing These ideas of, of what if this week, what would it look like to bring humility into the conversation between you and God? A willingness to admit to God, I don't have all the answers. That in your prayer or in your conversation with Jesus this week to say, God, I, I don't have it all figured out. I need to learn something here. I don't know everything there is to know about you. And to remain teachable. And I think some of us want to learn, but we don't necessarily want to change. So we want to know the mysteries of God. We want to uncover the mysteries of heaven and the knowledge of God. We want the truth of the scriptures to be revealed to us, but how many of us want to be taught and changed by it? See, that's where humility comes in, to say, God, I don't have it all figured out, and I need you, and I need to remain teachable in this. That's an attitude of humility, to say, I need to be shaped by the truth that God wants to reveal to me. I'm also wondering how many of us just need to ask the Holy Spirit. When was the last time before you got in your Bible you just asked God to reveal the truth? 
You open your Bible and you read it and go, and then you're just like, I didn't get anything. Did you get anything? No, we didn't get anything. All right, move on. On to Twitter. But to, the next time you crack open your Bible, open your Bible app. What if you asked the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you? The next time you were coming to church to pray and ask God and begin to vocalize your thoughts and your feelings and asking him for help. Next time you sat down for a life group discussion, instead of just jumping in and eating the chips and talking and going for it, what if we gathered around the table and we prayed for the Holy Spirit to speak to each person and to learn to listen? And this is where I think it gets really tough for us is making room for the Holy Spirit requires us to stop the talking, and we like to talk. We're good at talking, but we're not so good at listening. And we get uncomfortable when there's too long of a silence. Anybody agree? The idea of slowing down to the point where we just say, God, I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to reread that text. And I'm going to listen. And I'm going to stay in the silence. And I think sometimes we just need to shut it. Think of some of these things almost like stretching before a workout, right? I don't mean to be crude or, or insensitive, but if you think about it, when you go on a workout, I used to be able to just go. When I was younger, man, I could just go for a run or I could play basketball or go on a bike ride. No problem. I could just go. Now, I don't know what happened. I'm 37, and I go on a walk, and I'm hurt. And it was just the walk through Target. <laughs> I need to stretch before I go to Costco, you know? But imagine that idea, right? We've got to stretch before we exercise so we don't pull a hammy. Well, imagine stretching a spiritual muscle to prepare, you so, prepare yourself to listen and to hear and to understand and to implement truth. To stretch yourself spiritually in that way. So that we become people who do not diminish the Holy Spirit's role in our life, but we actually embrace it and we run to the Holy Spirit to guide and instruct and reveal truth to us. Because all of this series is all about understanding the truth of God, the truth of the gospel. And we can't do that alone. We've got to do that by the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that we would be people we would be people who lean on your spirit.
and I want to partner with you. There's the microphone. There it is. That is not a spiritual trick. We are not trying to. <laughs> it's just an awkward moment where the microphone kicked on. If you hear the voice of God right now. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. But in all genuineness, if there is anyone in the room today that wants to say yes to following Jesus, that wants to take that step of faith and receiving his love and receive his forgiveness and receive his spirit, church, would you just raise your hand if that's you today? I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the work that you do in our lives. I pray that we be a church that continues to just follow you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want more information on Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.